Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really excited about today. I have one of my good friends, um, the very first person who ever allowed me to minister alongside of him. And uh, he's just so special to my life. I'm so honored to be able to have some of his time today. And I pray that this will meet you in a real and relevant way. If this is your first time joining, uh, welcome. Uh, whether you came in through YouTube or podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you are at, I feel like it's not by accident that you are here and that the Lord has a plan and purpose in your life that goes far beyond anything this world can offer. And so I'll go ahead and turn it over to Todd. Uh, and um, I guess I already ruined your name, but I'll let you introduce yourself. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. No, oh, thanks for having me. That's awesome. Uh, it's good to see you again, too. It's been a little while. Yeah. We're down here in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, your old stomping ground. And um, been here most of my life. Uh, married to Laura. We have four adult children. We have one granddaughter, which we are just delighted to have. Um, and we've got two dogs, a dove and a rabbit in our house, our little zoo. I was a pastor for almost 30 years, uh, left that behind and started writing. So I've got one, one book that came out last October and one that is hopefully going to be coming out sometime around October, mm-hmm. fourth quarter, at least. What I write about is um, kind of the deconstruction of my belief system, and kind of the reconstructing of putting it all back together. Uh, in a way that's authentic and real and and, and makes a difference. Um, yeah. uh, I got saved, I guess it was 1983. Um, and for the longest time after that, um, it, you know, it was just great. Me and Jesus uh, against the world, you know, it was just, he was talking, I was talking, uh, I was listening. He was talking, uh, you know, read the word and he would always speak to me through that. Um, you, know, you know, trying to share with others and this, that, and the other. And then legalism just kind of crept in. Somebody came up to me one day in church and said, um, um, we, we're just so excited to see you walking with God and, and yada, yada. But um, we think maybe that you need to stop wearing jeans to church. Well, I didn't come from a wealthy family. So I had two pairs of jeans. One had holes in them. I wore that pair to school and the other pair didn't. I wore those to church. I mm-hmm. thought I was doing okay. And as a young Christian, then I had no idea that what they were saying was completely off base. I believed them. And I thought, oh, man, I've, I've, I've had it wrong this whole time. Jesus has been disappointed in me. And so we went on like that for years. Even in the ministry, um, as a pastor, I always felt like I wasn't good enough as myself. I always tried to emulate other people and do what they did. And, uh, and it would just always turn out, um, it would just be empty. Yeah, and, yeah. But the times that I did really get try to get with the Lord that, you know, that's when inspiration came. And, um, but you know, it was just up and down for all those years. And, and, you know, I, I hope a lot of people in my churches didn't suffer from that. Uh, I know I hurt people and I've tried to make amends wherever I've been able to, uh, through the years, but, um, uh, they've just been some great people love me through a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a really dark time. Some personal things were happening in my life later on in, as an adult. I uh, went through, um, unfortunately, a separation and a divorce, mm-hmm. um, which back at this particular time, it wasn't, it was uh, early 2000s. Um, divorce was still kind of frowned upon mm-hmm. among Southern Baptists. It's, it's a lot more lenient now with it. But, uh, you know, back then, if you, that was the end of you. If, you know, I was told never to disgrace the pulpit again. Um, so I just kind of went through a really dark phase. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking earlier before you started recording, you know, how people, uh, when they're alone, um, when people are depressed and, and, and all that, they, they tend to isolate mm-hmm. themselves because they don't want anybody to see what they're going through. It's, I don't know, it's something we're programmed with yeah, yeah. or something our parents taught us. Don't show your emotions. But um, and sometimes they know if I do get with somebody, I'm going to have to deal with all these emotions that I've got in here and I don't think I can handle it. Um, so we, we avoid that and we just continue to stuff our emotions way down. And so I did that whole avoid and stuff thing uh, for a number of years after, after I left uh, my, the pastor back. Um, gosh, it, was, it seems like it was yesterday, but it was uh, around 2005, 2004, something like mm-hmm. that. But, uh, you know, so for a few years after that, I just kind of went through a yeah. thing where I didn't know who I was and what I was doing and, and uh, why did God take away the ministry from me? And I, I, after all I did, it was just a really dark place. And I continued to just kind of stuff those things down and not talk to people about it. 
and um, you know, pretty soon it was, um, uh, you know, to keep it down, I would have to use things like drugs or um, alcohol just to kind of put a top on it so it would stay down. Um, and so, you know, after a few years of that, you just realize that you just can't continue to do yeah. that anymore. Uh, and I'm very thankful that I got to that place right around 2010. Um, after you know, just a, I was in a very dark place. I, I yeah. just kind of pushed everybody away, including my children and my family. And uh, it was just a really tough time. Thankfully, I've got them all back now. But uh, it was yeah, it was a really dark, dark yeah. season for me. Uh, and what I realized is that the the basis of my faith was just was not strong. Mm-hmm. That anytime something like that happened, I got mad at God, blamed God, questioned God, why, why, why. Um, and then real, you know, after you, and now I can look back on it and say, man, my, my faith was just built on nothing because it couldn't withstand the, the storms. Um, and every time something bad would happen, I would just completely freak out and you know, start blaming God for it. Uh, and then one day, you know, he just kind of, uh, we had an encounter in the middle of the night, uh, right around 2010. Um, I had kind of hit rock bottom. Uh, I was living by myself and I woke up one night and I was just freezing cold. I was shaking like a, like an old washing machine or an old car trying to cut off. But, um, and I like I had five, six blankets on and I was still freezing cold and I thought I was going to die. Uh, and so I'm talking out loud to God. I was like, so this is it. You're just going to let me die here. You have, you know, we're just, this is where we've come to, um, after all these years. And I just kind of let him have it, you know? And then, um, when I was done, <laughs> he, he kind of spoke to me and said, first of all, I want to tell you that, um, I love you and I have never stopped loving you. Even when you were going through the dark times, I, I have loved you and I've been with you through all of that. You may not have seen me or heard me, but I was there. And then he said, and I want you to understand that where you are right now is completely your fault. And I was like, Whoa, because <laughs> I've never really thought about it that way. I've always been, you know, it's always easier to blame somebody else than to, than to think, Hey, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so that was kind of an eye opening thing. And then I met my wife and, Got into the ministry again. That's where we met. Yeah, yeah. 2000, uh, 2013, the summer of 2013, yeah. Yeah, and that was a great time. Um, it was good to be back in the ministry. Um, like I said, you know, it was years later, and divorce was not as frowned upon as it used to be. And so I was welcomed as a pastor um, at Charwood Baptist and just loved those people. We had so much fun there. It was a small church, um, big community, but uh, you know, there was a presence there and, and a family, a strength there, a bond there. And uh, it was just nice to be a part of that for a while. And then when you came into it, it was just even better. It just got exciting because we connected immediately. Uh, it's like we're, we're telling the same story sometimes, <laughs> but um, I mean, we're two different people who kind of have the same feelings yeah. about the, the fluff and the crap, as we said earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of, of religion and, and whatnot. I mean, most people are, are at a place where they feel like, you know, our faith in God is just not working for us anymore. There's just no life in it. It's, it's, it's dead. Uh, and, and we've all been there. And so we do things like go to the altar Sunday, rededicate our lives. I probably rededicated my life 50,000 times in my life. Um, you know, we read a book, we'll go uh, to hear a revival service. We'll, we'll get a CD or uh, I almost said tape. I'm get, dating myself, but you know, we'll, we'll listen to somebody else tell their story. And then, uh, and then somehow we get, you know, through that, we might get a little more motivated, uh, but then it fizzles out again after, after a time. Uh, and you're right back where you started. My faith is just no longer working for me. So I had gotten to that place, uh, around 2016 when I left the last church that I ever pastored. Uh, unfortunately we didn't leave, uh, on a good note. It was kind of a dark cloud on both sides. But um, it was definitely a mutual decision uh, for me to go. Um, just my heart just wasn't in it anymore. I, I wasn't even sure what I believed at that time. Uh, and when I left the church, I just kind of, for my own self care, I guess, sort of left it all behind. Uh, my faith, beliefs, the behavior, the scripture. I mean, I just left it all behind for a few months and just tried to unwind and, you know, rediscover who I am. And, uh, in the process of that, I was able to, the word is deconstruct, but I, I, at the time I was using the word renewing my mind. Mm. And that's what my first book was called the renewing of your mind. And it was based on, uh, that, you know, verse in uh, Romans 12 verse two, mm-hmm. which says be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. And so I really got into that part of that, that passage and started looking up things about the brain and neuroscience and um, quantum physics and things like that, just to get a bigger picture of what renewing your mind looked like. And at the time, I didn't realize I was in that actual process of mm. mind renewal, of deconstructing, um, taking a look at everything that I've ever believed. I, I used to encourage people um, to know what they believe and to know why they believe it. And I just didn't know what I believed anymore. I didn't know why. Uh, I, I was just, I felt lost, really. But after a season, uh, I was able to start finding my way back to, to Jesus. Uh, when I when I left the church, I started trying to look in other places, um, you know, like other religions, even just asking questions, meeting people, looking up stuff on the internet, reading books, just trying to understand their point of view. You know, because I've always said, well, you know, if you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell pretty much. Um, so I just, you know, I thought, well, I'll give them a fair shake. I'll let them teach me something and see what, what I come away with. And I even thought about turning to Hindu uh, permanently. And somebody said, no, you don't want to do that. But it was a Hindu actually that said that. But um, Oh, wow. <laughs> so after a while, I began to realize that something just was missing in my life. And um, it was it was Jesus. Uh, and not the Jesus that I preached for so many years, but the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that walked the earth, um, the Jesus that suffered, the Jesus that cried with us, the Jesus that laughed with us. Um, just really getting to know him again uh, has just been the biggest thrill I've had in, in years. And just the ability to rediscover the, the essence of my faith, which is Jesus. Yeah. One thing that I've always tried to do and failed, but my goal has always been to be real, mm -hmm. be authentic. And so last year, 2019, I started this thing now where I pick a word at the beginning of the year. And it's kind of my word throughout the year. And last year it was authenticity. Um, and that was really helpful you know, to my, to the, what we'll call the reconstruction of my beliefs um, and my faith. But just having, you know, getting on with that was really good. This year's word was intimacy. And uh, so I've been really looking at what it means to be intimate with, with God and with others. And um, ironically, you know, I'm looking into all that and suddenly we have this virus and we're all isolated and we're all, you know, forced to stay home and, um, and, and, and that. So, you know, it's really taught us a lot of things. I guess mm -hmm. we, we could spend hours on that, but yeah. uh, what it's taught me is that, I really, really need human contact in my life. Um, I mean, my wife is all I need um, for a wife, but you know, I need friends, I need family, I need other people, and, and you know, we need other people in our mm -hmm. lives. Uh, and right now, that's been taken away from us. And, and like you said earlier, when something's taken away from us, we really realize mm -hmm. uh, how how important it is to us. And so that's one of the billion things that I've uh, just discovered that I took for granted and will not take for granted again. Simple yeah. things like a handshake or a hug. Yeah. Like getting coffee with somebody, going to a movie, going to a restaurant. Um, I yeah. hope we get to do that again someday. <laughs> you were talking about having a word for the year. My word this year has been sober. And I feel like the Lord kind of put that on my heart last year, like towards the end. And I was just thinking about you. you I mean, you know how it is, but like, you know, when in your thoughts, in your heart, like you start to chase after those rabbit trails, the stuff that really doesn't matter, especially when we talk about eternity, we talk about the bigger picture of life and everything. And like, you know, like I find myself getting caught in that random times like we all do. But it's like I always crave like, Lord, I need something to snap me out of this. I need something to break me out of this pattern or this thought process. You talked about yourself, you know, that moment when you were on your floor and you were like, OK, Lord, this is the end. There was a sober moment there because you clearly heard the Lord and it it changed. It, there was a reaction that happened to it. It wasn't like you just heard it and then you went off back to the same where you were. Right. Like there was a there was a pivot that happened. And so I was just praying about that. I was like, Lord, you know, I want to experience that pivot. I want to, I want to stay. I don't want to have to constantly go through ups and downs. And when I'm down, that's when I truly seek after you. Like, Lord, I want to have a constant just heart posture of soberness where I just hear you and respond to you. Um, so that's, that's, that's where I've been this year, just like meditating on that. 
I know um, in your book, I wanted to read an excerpt from your book that really stood out to me. I posted this on uh, on social media, but you said this. This is pretty early on in the book, and I'll post uh, I'll post a link in the description of uh, of this episode. But this is what you wrote. You said, "Do you ever feel worthless? Do you ever feel like no one notices you? Have you done things you deeply regret? Do you feel as if God has abandoned you? Walk outside today. Do you hear the birds singing?" They are doing that just for you. God placed them there. Take a walk. Do you see the wind blowed flower petals on the ground? God placed them there just for you to walk on. Ever see a butterfly? They're there to remind you that your cocoon of defeat is not permanent. You can and you will become more. You are not worthless, abandoned, or unnoticed, my friend. You just need to start thinking better thoughts. Your mind is willing to accept new ways of thinking and to be reprogrammed the way you want to, want it to be. Think new thoughts. Want new wants. Feel better feelings. Become what you are already meant to be. Loved, wanted, needed, affirmed, accepted. Give this gift of mind renewal to yourself. You totally deserve it. You are enveloped in grace. You and I get to choose who we invite to sit at the table of our minds. Draw your attention now if you will, to the amazing centerpiece of this table. We call it grace. And it is truly amazing, as the old song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Notice it is not a question, but a proclamation of sweet sound of grace. Trust me, having a closer look at grace is a tremendous step towards transformation and the renewal of your minds. I really like that because I I think you tap into something that I think sometimes we can easily overlook, especially when we're not thinking soberly. But just like everything here is an is literally like a sermon illustration to point us back towards the the bigger picture to our creator, savior, and sustainer. Is there anything that, that kind of stands out to you when you think about that idea of grace? Because I know that's very centerpiece to being a follower of Christ is is discovering that grace. Is there anything you wanted to kind of add upon that? Yeah, you know, grace is uh, is not just a an escape from eternal penalty. And that's, I think that's where most people stop with it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so much more than that. It is, it's a, it's a way of living. Um, It's, it's knowing that you are so forgiven um, and, and so loved by God and you don't have to do anything to earn it and you can't do anything to lose it. You start to live differently. Uh, for me, it was just noticing the little things like the the flower petals on the sidewalk and the birds chirping. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like these things are not random. God's doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I needed to walk on some flower petals today, or maybe he wanted to show me that I am so valuable to him. He wants me to walk on flower petals mm-hmm. and little things like that. Songs that, that, that I love, you know, not all Christian songs either, but mm-hmm. yeah. classic rock songs that I used to, I mean, they just, you kind of hear God in the midst of all of it. And, um, even watching a movie sometimes there's a there's a redemptive moment in the movie that just t- takes you right back to the grace the grace of god it's everywhere um and our we don't have a job as christians but our joy and our delight is to share this grace with others especially those who really really need it like i mean i've just counseled people through the years that were just in really really sad shape i myself was but mm-hmm. um i mean i've seen people that you know minister to them in prison uh, a long time ago, when I first started in the ministry, um, my one of my mentors took me along, and I ministered to a guy who was on death row, you know, all the way to the end. Um, and, and it's like, wow, that was just mind blowing. Um, and did work as a police chaplain, and saw some things that that just changed my life forever. It's just you can't believe how people need the grace of God until you actually get out there in the world and see how they're living and and what they're, what they're doing with their lives and how they think mainly. Um, a lot of it is um, like, like, you know, the whole book is pretty much renewing, you're changing your thoughts and the scientific, you know, proof that, you know, old dogs can learn new tricks. You can renew or reprogram, reset your mind uh, just by giving it better information. But most people are, are content where they are. Um, you know, they've got 300 channels and a case of beer on the weekends and, and life is good. Um, but there's so much more to it than that. There's, there's, there's life to be lived. There's life to be embraced. And, and a big part of that life is just the, the grace and mercy, the peace of God, the peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. Uh, it's so great. We can't even comprehend it. Uh, and there's, it's just, it's a shalom kind of peace, um, all the way, you know, it's, it's 
physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, even financial peace about life. Everything down to the very core of who we are is at peace because of Jesus and what he did, what he showed us um, while he was on this earth. And, and the, the way that he approached people, um, even people that were out to do him wrong. Like my, I, I remember the story um, about a, a lawyer who came to Jesus. Um, of course, we all have feelings about lawyers and stuff. I got friends who are lawyers, but they're not all bad. But you know, I mean, the, the, the vibe is there when you hear the word yeah, yeah. lawyer. It's, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. what's he after? But you know, this guy knew the law backwards and forwards. Um, and he comes to Jesus and, and says, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And Jesus knew what he was up to. You know, he, he, he could tell, he could sense that the guy was trying to trip him up and make him say something wrong so that he could go back and report it and, and, and all that. But um, Jesus didn't say, hey, take off, man. I know what you're trying to do. Just bug off. Leave me alone. He answered him. Mm-hmm. He responded to the question. And then he goes on to talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan, how the, you know, the priests walk by. And a Samaritan comes and he helps this guy who's been traumatized, really, is what the Greek word is trauma for. It says where he was beaten. You know, he was traumatized uh, by this whole experience, left for dead, you know, rescued by a sworn enemy of the people of God at that mm-hmm. time. And the, the Samaritans were just uh, in, in the, if, if you were a Jew, you know, Samaritans were just blasphemers. Dogs, they, yeah. they only believed the five, first five books of the Bible. Um, and a lot of them still do today, actually. there's I didn't realize there's still Samaritan oh, wow. thinking. But, yeah, I mean, they were just so sick of Samaritans. And for Jesus to say a Samaritan stopped and helped this guy, I mean, you can just see the eyebrows raising and the hands going over the mouth. And it's like, what is he trying to do here? Samaritan? No way. Um, and he even talked to a Samaritan woman at the, at the well, you know. Um, she had two strikes. She was Samaritan and she was a woman. And yet Jesus talked to her like a friend. Um, and so they're watching this guy. And, and for me, it was just kind of a rediscovery, you know, where I started watching Jesus again. Mm. It's like, look at how he treats these people that the other, that the world just doesn't care about. And, and it just, it's really life-changing to, to see yeah. grace being played out in every little detail of yeah. life like that. Like you've changed where your perspective is instead of focusing on, well, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, be like, look, we are invited to be new. We are invited to be born again. I'll, I'll let you share the story that you shared in your book. Do you mind sharing that story? Not at all. I was in Bible college. We moved, uh, we were living on campus uh, up in Wake Forest, um, North Carolina. And we were in, in like an apartment neighborhood with, you know, all seminary mm-hmm. Bible college students, um, just one big happy family there. Very much a community. It's just really great. And we let our children play outside. If other parents were outside with their kids, they always watched. You know, we watched each other's kids and whatnot. And so I came home from class and I had to change clothes right away and get to my um, you know job in the evening. I was a security guard at the time. And so I had to change my clothes and I came down real quick and was telling everybody bye and I couldn't find the girls. And so my son, Cody, he was about four at the time. He um, rode up on his little bike. And I said, have you seen your sisters? And he shook his head, no. And uh, so I'm just kind of looking in the usual places and I'm not finding them. And I'm starting to panic. Um, I mean, that's like every parent's nightmare right mm-hmm. there. And, but the girls at the time were barely two years old. Um, and so I was just scared to death because, I mean, what had happened? Maybe they fell. Maybe they were hurt. Maybe somebody took them. Who in the world would take them in a neighborhood like this? It was just so many things going through my mind. And I started to panic and I was yelling even louder for them, you know, Jenna, Katie, Jenna, Katie. And the neighbors actually heard me and started coming out and helping us look. And we finally found them in a, a playground. I didn't know we existed on the other side of the other side of the building we were in. Um, but I was just, my first reaction when I heard that we found them was I am going to spank their tails for what they just put us through. And so I got, got to where they were and I saw little Jenna's got her lip poked out and Katie's already crying. And suddenly my, my urge was to just grab them up and hold them and hug them and kiss them. And just, I, it must've been for like 10 minutes. I just held my girls and were laughing, crying and smiling and kissing, hugging. Um, it was just a great moment. Um, and I never did spank them. It never even occurred to me after that to, yeah. to spank them. They learned their lesson, but, um, and, and it, it, it occurred to me, you know, that's how God treats us. Yeah. yeah he, he's not ready to spank us every time we do something wrong. He's ready to pick us up and hold us mm-hmm. and say, yeah, it's okay. We're yeah. going to get through this. We're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You've got grace. You've got mercy. You've got peace. All of this every day. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and just, you know, use it. Walk in it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to be stuck in your 
in your in your shortcomings and in, in the sins that we commit and, uh, and and so we get stuck on that and our mind starts thinking oh my god i'm doing this wrong and i'm doing this wrong and i'm doing this wrong and the bible says this but i'm always doing that and um sooner or later you just get to this this self-loathing mm-hmm. or or just depressed yeah, yeah and then again you begin to isolate and you just mm-hmm. don't tell the, people the, what's the going pattern. on in your mind and in your yeah. heart you know the avoiding stuff thing yeah, yeah. but um yeah, that, you know that's where that happens. We, when we when we realize what we've been forgiven from, mm-hmm. how much we've been forgiven, how loved we are by God, mm-hmm. um, and just noticing the little things like that that, that show us these things all the time, yeah. um, they're out there. You know, we mm-hmm. just don't see them all the time because we're not trained to see them. But yeah. when we retrain our brains to, yeah. you know, look at the little things of nature, I mean, they're not there by accident. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, God's trying to tell us something yeah. even through nature. Yeah. And the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows his handiwork. I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's there for a yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. And I think about like Romans one twenty. it says since the beginning of time, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen. Even driving from Michigan down to South Carolina, you know, I have to go through the mountains. It's just always such a sober reminder of Lord, you are so much greater than me, but you stoop down to my level and you hold me like you cradle every piece of this broken heart of mine, you know, and um, exactly. it's just such a beautiful picture. I know a lot of what you're sharing is just that the Lord is after our hearts more than he's after anything else. You know, the way that we as humans are is that we're not always looking for the heart of people, but instead we're, you know, selfish. We're saying, give me, give me. I'm looking for what you can give me. But the that's not the way that our our father is. And I know in your book. You talked about growing up the the way that your father was because of the the struggles that he had with alcoholism and they kind of, you know, made it a little difficult for you to truly look at God as a good father because you were so used to seeing what a bad father was at that time and exactly. and everything. And you had a very close friend. Rick, yeah. Rick, Rick, yeah. Yeah, I've I've always been very blessed in the friend department. Um family not so much, but you know, friends I've always had really good friends. Uh, the friends that I have today are friends that I've had 30, 40 years. Uh, and we just, we always just pick up where we left off the last time when we get together. It's just great. Uh, so I'm very blessed in that. And Rick was definitely one of those uh, long-term, lifelong pals. Um, he really cared about me. He looked out for me. He uh, was always thinking about me and, you know, when inviting me to things and let's go do this and let's go do that. And a lot of times I just didn't want to go because I was isolating you know, avoiding and stuffing, trying not to get around people. But um, our conversations were always so intense because he was so far ahead of me um, theologically Mm. that I I couldn't keep up with him. I was so stuck where I was, Mm. Southern Baptist mind. This is how it is. You can't go beyond this box because that's just not God. Um, Mm. But he was stepping outside of the box and he was challenging everything that I said. And he was like, well, well, maybe you should read this book by this guy or this book by this person. And, and, and I, ne- I never did read them. Um, and, and then after he passed away suddenly, um, it just really grabbed me that, I mean, he was trying so hard to, to tell me something. And so I you know, just kind of went on this quest. What were you trying to tell me? So I started reading those books. And, and now I get it. Now I understand. You know, the, and what he was leaning towards was deconstruction of faith. Um, questioning, why do you do it this way? Why do you have to have, you know, why do you have to go forward at the end of the service and shake the pastor's hand and, and fill out a card, and pray at the altar? Why is all that necessary? Because none of it happens in scripture. Um, you know, there's no point where Jesus says to the thief on the cross, well, if you want to come to our church Sunday and, and talk to us afterwards, we'll be glad to hook you up and get you. There was none of that. It was today you'll be with me in paradise, period. Boom, over, done. Um, and so there's just so much of that in what Rick was trying to tell me uh, and, and, and in just such a close friendship that we could disagree like that agreeably and still, you know, know that we were there for each other. But I've, I've got just, I've got a lot of friends like that, but none like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, some people, it just seems like they're not long for this world, uh, that they make a big impact while they're here. And then when they're gone, you really feel the void that they left. And, um, my second book I dedicated to um, Rachel Held Evans, um, mm-hmm. the author and writer and who, uh, blogger who passed away last year, uh, because a lot of her stuff really ministered to me. A lot of her writing, the way she asked questions of the, 
her faith and, and the discoveries that she made uh, just really helped me in, in my, you know, where I was, my faith at the time. And then she passed away very suddenly. I was like 35 years old um, and had a stroke. And it's like, why? Why does that happen? And I think of people like Keith Green and Rich Mullins and mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. You know, people like that, that, you know, they made such a big impact while they were here and then they were suddenly gone. But you remember them for years yeah. and years later. Uh, and, and they, you know, Rick definitely left a legacy um, to his family and to his friends. He's just a super great guy. Yeah. Uh, I do miss him a lot. But, um, you know, every time I have a thought, it's like, man, I wish we could talk about this. And, um, but, you know, it's good to have uh, somebody like that in your life. It's, yeah. Because we we just can't get through this thing alone. There's just no way. Yeah, gotta yeah, have yeah. gotta have people. <laughs> yeah, with where you're at right now, uh, with the people that the Lord's allowed you to meet through this, you talked about um, you know, the 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 Hindu man that you got to meet, uh, who who even talked you out of being a Hindu, which yeah. is crazy. Even that's the grace of God. Like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> that's that's something that we can just say thank you, God. But um, like with where you're at now. Is there anything that stands out to you of, of things that the Lord has been teaching you or showing you through the, the, the people that he's brought you to to learn from and also to to teach and to grow? Definitely. Um, absolutely so. Um, from uh, simple things like meditation, um, mm-hmm. which, which I've learned how to do, um, and I'm certainly no expert at it, but I, it's a part of my prayer life. Uh, that I didn't have before. And it's spoken of in the Bible several times. We mm-hmm. meditate on this. We meditate on your word. Um, so it's not like the devil's making me do it. It's like this is something that enhances my my prayer life to be able to sit and quiet and, and meditate and just really ponder these things, not talk about them, not talk to God and tell him what I need, but just sit there and listen to the noises around you and, and the, the your breath going in and out and things like that. You get mm-hmm. to such a relaxed state that you really feel like you're communicating with God in a very real and personal way. And, and the, you know, the Greek word for prayer uh, in, in the uh, New Testament literally means to stretch out, like stretching out your faith. Um, and, and meditation has kind of shown me uh, uh, you know, how to add that to my prayer life to where I really feel like I'm stretching out and I'm reaching. You know, sometimes you pray and you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And, um, and it's not that they are. God hears our prayers, but... I wanted more than what I had before. I just wanted more. And I knew there had to be something more than just, you know, get on my knees, say a prayer, amen. It's, you know, and then go back, you know, and do life again. Um, it, it just, it has to be, I wanted it to be something that consumed my life. Mm-hmm. And so that has helped a lot. Yoga, breathing mainly, um, has helped me with stress and anxiety. You know, you just stop, take some cleansing breaths and and breathe in, breathe out. It really just helps you focus. And when I'm writing, I get real excited. I can't concentrate. You know, I have to stop and breathe a little bit and uh, relax a little bit. And it just, it helps so much. And oxygen is a good thing. The more we take in, the better it is for us. And we already breathe naturally. And, you know, now, you know, through yoga, I've learned how to use breathing, you know, in a healing capacity in in so many ways. Um, Also, um, things like the law of attraction, um, you know, people think of the law of attraction, they think of money. And that's not what it's about at all. I mean, people use it to like say, yeah, if you think big, big money, big money is just going to come into your life. And that has nothing to do with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the attraction of, of, you know, attracting something from the divine. When we pray for it, we're supposed to believe that we've already received it. Um, and that's kind of the law of attraction. That's kind of how it works. You, you, you see it, you, you know, picture it in your mind, you get a, a good picture of it. And uh, the mind is so powerful. Um, these things get into our, our subconscious mind, which is about 90% of our, our brain activity. Um, and that's where all of the deep thoughts come from is the subconscious, which processes mainly while we sleep. Uh, what's something I thought of recently? Oh, the pastor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, for a little while, I'll confess, I, I didn't want anything to do with being mm-hmm. called that. And I actually felt you know, angry when somebody would say, Hey, Pastor Todd, it's like, no, not anymore. But now it's like, I've, I've kind of embraced that again, because it's part of who I am. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I don't stand in front of a pulpit anymore yeah. and do it that way. I feel like, you know, my writing is a way of pastoring and shepherding. Mm-hmm. And of course, social media, and we were talking about earlier before we started the, the podcast, the, the, the landscape of ministry has mm-hmm. changed so much, even in the last seven years that we met. Um, 
there's so much more that you can do now, like what we're doing, Zoom and mm-hmm. podcasting and uh, social media. There's so many different ways to connect with so many people. And some of my best friends in the world right now are people that I've met online, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on Facebook and, and Instagram and things uh, that have just really blessed me and, and spoken good things into my life. And um, they're, they're out there. And for so long, I was just, I restricted that from my life because I thought, you know, I don't need that. I've got the Bible. Uh, I've got Jesus. I've got the Holy Spirit. Um, I've got this way that I do things. And what I was doing was conforming. You know, the Bible says, don't conform to the things of the world, but be transformed mm-hmm. by the renewing of your mind. And so that's kind of where it started for me. Is like, I'm just doing what I see everyone else doing, and it means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, in fact, it annoys me. But I feel like I have to do it because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have to put on that mask and, and pretend. Yeah. And there were some Sundays, even, you know, even when we were together, mm-hmm. there were just some Sundays where I just didn't have it coming into the you know the Sunday service. And, yeah. you know, somehow we got through. But, I mean, there are just moments where I just had to pretend. And if there's somebody that I didn't particularly like, you know, and you have to pretend that you like them, that takes a lot of energy to do that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you really do love them. But, you know, there yeah. were just there were people through the years that I absolutely just did not want to be around because they were toxic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, God loves them, too. So, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. At Tarwood, one of the memories that stand out to me, I remember there was a Sunday, um, Kathy, I usually don't name drop on this podcast, but I feel like every time I talk about this story, I always like tag her in it anyway. But Kathy, you know, she played the piano. And I think if I get the story straight, I remember her publicly saying that she never felt comfortable like playing in front of people, but like, okay, you know, I'll do this because, you know, all right, I'm, I'm giving this gift to the Lord. I'm, you know, offering this to him. And so that's something that always stood in my mind every time I heard her. But there's this one Sunday where she was playing, and I don't know if you maybe even noticed this, but there's a time that she was playing and she hit a wrong note and you could see on her face, I was on the right side of the church looking over the left side where the piano was, and you could see on her face that she got frustrated. And I remember like she powered through it and everything. And I remember like as I was listening to her make that wrong note, it was like the Lord spoke to me. He's like, Jonah, you, we as people are nothing but broken yet beautiful piano pieces. Like I I find you so beautiful that, yes, you are broken. And you could clearly see that, you know, Kathy saw her brokenness in the moment of her playing the broken note, you know, like it it doesn't take long every single day, you know, like for us to realize, okay, like. We don't have it all together, but we are beautiful. Why? Because like, you know, the Lord has such a plan and purpose for our life that goes far beyond anything that we can do. And that even her playing, like in the moment, her her failure told her like, okay, you're not beautiful. But that that was neglecting the reality that she's beautiful because she's giving a gift, even if she doesn't feel comfortable for the purpose of the Lord right. using it. You know, like that is beautiful. I don't know. So that's just something that always stands out to me. I feel like if that's if there's anything I learned at, at Charwood, I mean, there's a lot that I learned, but like that was that that was a pivot moment. I was like, whoa, Lord, you know, you know, like what would you just say to somebody who's on the outside looking in? And just questioning whether or not it's worth it. What what would you say? I guess to somebody walking through what you walk through, I, I would I would say it's definitely worth it um, if you just if you keep going through the process. Um, everything that you've ever believed is going to be gone through the process of deconstruction. Laura and I started going to a church uh, a little while back. I hadn't been to a church in almost four years, and we discovered this little church meeting on a college campus close by. Um, and started visiting there and getting involved there. But the first couple Sundays we went, the worship leader was the associate pastor, and he sang so off-key. It was just, I mean, it's like this guy can't carry a tune at all, but he's up there leading worship. And, 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 and as I thought about it, it's like this is actually so beautiful that he's just singing. He's not worried about whether or not he's on key. He's, he's just singing, leading worship. And, and I mean, God accepts us like that. He doesn't expect us to have perfect pitch all the time. Um, and, and that's, that's where, you know, the, the encouragement of deconstruction is found. And you really don't need all those things that, that you, you that you've deconstructed from like the, the going to church five times a week. Um, you know, the going to the altar, the rededicating your life, the, the things that, that we've done for so many years, cause that's what we do. The, the point of deconstruction is that you move away from that stuff. And then soon after it's gone, you realize I never needed this stuff. Jesus is all I've ever needed. And my relationship with him is all that I've ever needed. And it's all that will sustain me. And it's all that I'll ever need. 
and all this other stuff that comes with it is just extra. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's not working for me, I'm going to get rid of it because I, I don't want anything to come in between Jesus and me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, because even as, even as a pastor, um, I would find that I wanted to preach something, but I didn't because I knew people would get mad at me if I did. And it's like, I got to keep my job. This is a profession. And, um, and this is how I make a living. And I, I don't want to jeopardize that by, by speaking the truth. And when I got to that point, it was just like, Oh man, what have I done? Um, and then when you try to be yourself, then they, you know, realize that you're not who they thought you were and, and you end up leaving. And, but it, basically you, you just gotta, you gotta learn who you are in Christ that, you know, I'm Todd. I don't, I, I don't do much. I, I'm not a very technology person, you know, um, I don't know how to do, I don't play piano. I don't do things like that. But the things that I do and the things that, that, have, that God has given me, I can do freely and I can even do them however I want to do them because he gave me this gift and I'm, I'm going to use it. So um, maybe one day I'll be, you know, in front of a church again. I, I haven't written it off completely. Um, oddly enough, Laura and I started talking about, you know, starting a little group in our home. And uh, not long after that, this whole COVID thing started. We're all in isolation now, so we can't do it. But uh, we've been able to, you know, get online with people yeah. and um, stream church services and whatnot. Yeah. It's, I yeah, mean, yeah. there's just so many opportunities yeah. to, to get involved now, to be a part of it. That's for all of us. The Lord has called us to so many things. Every gifting that we have, every 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 burden that we have, every conviction that we have, the Lord wants to use it to to build his kingdom and and for us to know him genuinely. Everything you said that you wanted to deconstruct was was everything apart from a relationship with Christ. Like even when you were even when you thought that okay, well I don't even need a relationship with Christ. Like you you still craved that, right? Like you still went back to that. So at the end of the day, we were made in the image of our creator and we long to know that creator. And sometimes we think that we don't need that creator because of a lot of the hurt or the baggage or whatever. But at the end of the day, like we were created, like he's intimately involved with us, whether we want to identify it or not. What would you say is, is, is some ways that we can love one another better? I want to love them, but at the same time, I don't want to you know, accept or to say that like, this is okay or to deem it appropriate, you know, and there's that kind of like that, that tension between loving and accepting. What would you say, what is a way that I guess that you kind of reconcile that, I guess, through the people that you've talked to and ministered to? Yeah. Um, love is a powerful thing that we have access to and there's, it's, it's a verb, but it, you know, it's, it's also a feeling, it's an emotion. There's so many things tied to it. One of those things, like you mentioned, is acceptance. Part of loving somebody is accepting them for who they are. Um, and I've learned so much about that over the years. And I, I wish I could go back to some people that I sort of spawned uh, or, or pushed away because um, I didn't like them or they didn't like me or whatever. But uh, now I wish I could kind of go back and just accept them for what they were and just affirm who they are and let them be who they are. Um, because that's what, I mean, that's what God lets us do. He lets us be who we are. He created us individually i mean you and i are a lot alike but we're not alike we're not mm -hmm. the same person mm -hmm. we're two completely different unique individuals um and you can do things that i can't and i can do things that you can't and, and that's just how we work together to make the kingdom of god so beautiful loving somebody is important but you also have to accept them and of course you know i'm thinking about the lgbt and i've got a lot of uh, gay friends that um have been you know kind of pushed out of church or, or made to feel like they weren't welcome um, and, and when I sit down with them and I talk to them, you know, friend to friend, and I'm not judging, I'm not telling them all the reasons that they should repent right now and, and read this track and, and go to this class. But, you know, I, for, for example, I, I sat next to a person not too long ago in, in a group I was in, and uh, his name was Emmett, and he was identifying as a guy. It was, you know, physically, she was a, a woman, mm -hmm. but he chose to be, you know, Emmett. And so, you know, I just talk to him like that. That's, that's who you want to be. That's what I'm going to talk to you as. That's why I'm going to accept that that's what you are and that's who you want to be. And, you know, I don't understand it, to be honest, but you obviously feel strongly about this. And so I want to be in this with you. I want to understand what's driving you so that, so that I can learn from it and grow from it. And we had so many amazing conversations 
Um, and I found Emmett to just be this, the, the, probably one of the most amazing people I've met in a very long time. And it's just, if I hadn't sat down and started talking and getting to know, uh, the, getting to know him that way, I, I would have missed out on that. Mm. And so many times we miss out on, on the really special parts of people because we say we love them, but we only love them at arm's length. We don't love them for who they are. We love them as long as you keep your stuff out of my life. I love you. And mm-hmm. that's not the way it works. We have to let them into our lives and, and sit with them and go through what they're going through with them. Um, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to be a, become a transport person. I, I don't, I'm pretty good where I'm at. But um, I would do a little bit more about the midsection. But other yeah. than that, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when we get together as a, as a church, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, hey, how are you? How's work? How's your family? How's your job? Okay, see you Wednesday. Um, there's no intimacy there. There's no connection there. And, and so we, we totally miss on how amazing people are by not really getting to know them. And, and when, they're, when they're going through something, we usually emotionally think we can't handle it. So we t- sort of just let that be their problem. But, it, but if we love them, we're going to get into their problem with them and we're going to sit with them in it. And we're just going to be there. I don't have to fix everybody. I, got, I gave that up a long time ago, but I could just sit with somebody in their stuff. And that's showing love to them. That's showing that I'm there for them. I love them and they can count on me to be there for them. And people have done that for me o- over the years, and I didn't notice it, and uh, you know, like like I'm noticing it now. And I don't know if it's just age and wisdom or, or whatever, but um, so much there's so much more to relationships and love than than we have ever even thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's yeah. just so many things that we that we need to do better to love people better. Yeah. Um, and I think a really good book that helped me is um, it's called Searching for Sunday. By Rachel Held Evans. He passed away last year. Um, this book turned me back around when I was kind of deconstructing and away from the church and never wanting to go back. I'd become very cynical, very critical. And this book really helped turn that around and, and be like, hey, you know what? God still loves these people. They, you may not think like they do anymore, but he still loves them. And you, you, you do too, believe it or not. Um, you just, you just have to show that you have to, to, to love them like yeah. he loves them. And, and wow, when you start doing that, and you just really connect with people and see what they're really made of. Um, and, and you get intimate with somebody like that. And you just put, you know, all your barriers come down and you get to know somebody for who they are. And uh, I remember Dr. Larry Kreb wrote a book years ago called the safest place on earth. And he's talking about the church uh, as a community should be the safest place for us to be. Uh, and it is, of course it's turned out that it's not safe at all because of gossip and things like that, that people think are important, but they're really not in the big picture. But, um, you know, so we feel like we have to put our mask on and just, you know, do the things that everybody else is doing. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to rock the boat. But, um, you know, when, when you love people, it's, it's, it's all the way. It's mm-hmm. not just a, I love you. You love me. It's, I love you all the way. I love you so much that I'm going to sit with you in your crap right now until, until figure out what to do. Um, and, you know, until you feel better, until you make progress, I'm going to be here with you. Yeah. And, and there's just so much power in that. And that's what yeah. Jesus did with us. He got into our issues when he was on earth. He, he you know, the, the, the lady with the issue of blood, I mean, that was a, that's a venereal disease is what that was. And she had it for 18 years and one touch of him and she was healed because, you know, because he got into her problem and fixed it with her. And it's like so powerful. I, I'm, I could go on for hours, but um, it really is just so powerful what, what love can do to our lives if we really let ourselves do it. One of my, one of my close friends and mentors and a former professor there at CIU, um, he, he said something kind of changed my life. And it's always stuck with me of, of just how I see people. But he said, it's better to leave flowers in warm hands than cold hands. He was talking about the idea that when we die, we so often, or when somebody dies, you so often, that's when you tell them like, hey, I appreciated this or I saw this or anything, but it's meaningless at that point. You, you've missed right. it, you know? It's better to do that when they're alive and it's always harder to do when they're alive because we all get weird sometimes when it comes to our emotions. But I guess in saying that, I just want to honor you, Todd. Thank you so much for allowing me to, you know, be there with you. I know you always say the honor is yours and everything, but just, you it know. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, like, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, like I just appreciate you so very much. And and I just look forward to, you know, seeing what the Lord does with you. I look forward to seeing, um, you know, the, your ministry, whether or not you want to call that or not. Like we all, you know, like as followers of Christ, like he's called us to minister. Like we're all on the same playing field. And you know, I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing what, you know, you're a grandfather now. You know, like, you know, you're, you're walking through a new season with that, you know, and everything. But yeah, again, I, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm thankful for you. Um, thank you for writing. I look forward to uh, finishing this one and then seeing your next book. Um, is there anything else you want to say uh, before we pray and, and close this out? Thank you so much for being a part of it this week. Yeah, just just thank you for, for having me on today and, and for the years of friendship. And, and I'm looking forward to see what God does in your life as well. Well, Thank you. Well, well, Todd, will you will you do the honors and and pray uh, pray for those that are listening or watching this? Um, yeah, thank you so much. Sure, um, God, we just pause and say thank you for this time together to be real, to open our hearts, to to peel back the layers uh, of conformity and just be transformed into what we really are, um, which is followers of Christ. And thank you so much for, for giving us the grace and the freedom and the mercy and the power to, to follow you, to do the things that you did and do even more uh, and be motivated by pure love towards others as we do this. And I just thank you for the Color and Chaos podcast and for Jonah, for his ministry, for his friendship, and just ask that you would expand that ministry um, beyond anything that we could ever ask or think. Um, because I just believe you've got great things in store for this for this great guy. And just thank you for the privilege of, of being his friend and uh, for this uh, opportunity to spend some time together. And we ask, pray this in, in your name. Amen. 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 I love you, buddy. Thank you. Love you, man. Thank you uh, for having me. Yeah. That was awesome, man. Thank you.